0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Mary Kay Carson, an inspired and inspiring author who has over 50 books to her credit, books where she aims to connect kids, youth, and big kids with nature and with history by making it relevant, really a part of them. Mary Kay's latest series of books just out is called Outdoor School. It's an interactive way of inspiring kids to be outdoors and finding their connection to all of nature. And it just might be the thing to wrap up the summer of vacation time and get ready to see the seasons change in the way all nature plays in harmony. Good morning, Mary Kay. How wonderful to speak with you this morning. Good to speak with you, too you are on a very busy trek this morning with uh, all the conversations about the this wonderful series outdoor
1: school I am I am but I'm excited to talk to someone in Seattle I was actually born in Marysville many years ago Oh my
0: goodness well you are a washingtonian then for sure <laughs> <laughs> Well you know, where you live now in Ohio, it sounds like a, a beautiful area because even though it sounds like you're in the city, but you, you're you on kind of an expansive property.
1: Yes, you know, Cincinnati is an interesting place because it is very, very hilly because it's on the in the Ohio River Valley. And so Cincinnati is a very old city, and so there's a lot of unbuildable hillsides. And so those have all become green space over the years, and now most of them are protected green space. So it's, you know, for for a city, there's actually a lot of green space.
0: Well, you are fortunate going back then to your roots and uh, being born in Marysville. You might not recognize it these days because I think I dare say that Seattle to Marysville is almost continuous, building homes, all sorts of things. You're kind of hard-pressed to find green space.
1: Yeah. I I haven't been back to—I've been back to Seattle, and I have friends, um, you know, on the peninsula— that I visit, but I haven't actually, we left when I was a a tiny baby, so it's not like I have a lot of memories from Marysville, but that's kind of the way the world is, all these little towns are just sort of now becoming suburbs.
0: Of the big cities, but that's where you come in with all your wonderful writing and your passion for education and for science in being able to help kids and, and even us big kids navigate the world so that we can really find all all the beauty and the nature that is around us
1: yeah it is you know you could put a kid outside and you know they can say oh there's nothing to do out here <laughs> but there's lots to do out there and once and once they sort of find out what there is to do I feel like once they get started it's it's a lifetime of endless fascination, right? Nature for me has been a a lifetime of endless fascination. And, you know, that's what I hope kids get a sense of, is that there's just so much there to enjoy for their whole life. They'll never get bored.
0: Absolutely. And to that end, you have over 50 books now that you have written for, for youth. Really, around well, there's there's a lot of history as well as the world of science and nature. Uh, although this morning we want to focus more specifically on outdoor school, and the and then more specifically on one of the books, which is animal watching. So you are are certainly, I think, infusing. The, this opportunity for, for kids to really make this a part of life that it's not just some lesson they learn in school that they need to embrace it and they can embrace it.
1: Yes, and uh, you know it, you can, I, I see some of my best I see some of the best hawks driving on the highway. you know you see them in the sky and you know you can watch birds and, and, and look for animal tracks walking to the school bus you know it just becomes part of your everyday life that you know what's going on around you like this whole world that's going on around you all the time that most people are just completely you know unaware of and you know once you know about it you just can't stop noticing you know oh these prints were here yesterday but today these raccoon prints seem to be over on the other side of the street and To me, it's, like I said, it's just endless fascination and builds an appreciation of nature and our place in it and all that it does for us.
0: Absolutely. And nature is of course, as you say, it, it's all around us. And to be able to find it in, in our urban areas that we don't have to travel great distances is is important because, you know, as we were saying just a, a little earlier, that we, um, you know, our cities are just expanding and it's a lot of suburbs. So it may be hard to get out into nature. So to find what exists there, and as you said, I, I I could relate to driving down the highway and seeing the hawks flying because th- they are there they're they're s- scouting around for their next meal right
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely and and our you know suburbs and cities are actually greener today than they were you know 50 years ago and there's lots of wildlife that lives in cities now right we have there's I have coyotes that come through our yard, and, you know, I live in the city, city. And, uh, you know, we have lots of birds, and sometimes it's actually easier to see animals in a place where they are used to people than, you know, out in the middle of the wilderness. <laughs> but absolutely, you don't have to go to Yellowstone National Park to look for animals. Um, you know, they're all around us.
0: Well, and... In one way, that's because we've really encroached on their habitat, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And um, lots of people bring food with them. And, you know, where people live, they plant trees and bushes that provide food <laughs> for a lot of animals. And um, so sometimes suburban areas are, is better habitat than the farm field that was there before
0: right i can attest to that all the plants and shrubs that i have bought that uh, the deer and the elk have really enjoyed for appetizers
1: i'm sure they said thank you, okay, thank
0: you. i don't thank know if they said thank you oh let's imagine they did right <laughs> so i found it interesting mary kay that it, you know some of the the uh, areas or the chapters the segments in in the book um outdoor school animal watching, it mentions essential animal watching gear. So is there something in particular we need to be sure we have?
1: You know, you're really going to have to have a pair of binoculars if you really want to get a good view of things. You know, it just makes it makes it so much easier not to have to get so close and you'll see a lot more. So I would say that a pair of binoculars, and they don't have to be a million-dollar pair of binoculars, but a pair of binoculars is a really great thing to have. I mean, everything else is sort of common sense, you know, you're going to, about being outside, you know, if you're around ticks or different bugs and all of that kind of thing. But a pair of binoculars, to me, is like, for, for animal watching, it really, really helps.
0: And, you know... Along this line and all that we've been talking about in terms of this book and all the books that you write, considering this year that we have experienced, uh, a year plus now, and uh, kind of the upheaval and so much remote learning that's going on and parents having to take on the role of teachers so much of the time and teachers having to scramble, I, I feel that these books are a great resource for everyone involved, that they really help to bridge endless gaps.
1: You know, I do too. It's just, um, it's so, it's been so difficult with school and learning. And I, I feel like online school, especially for a lot of kids can feel like a chore and you just, you don't want learning to become a chore, right? we, we, need, we all need to be lifelong learners. And so um, hopefully over the summer break, you know, kids will be able to spend time outdoors and they'll still be learning, right? The outside environment is a, the perfect environment for learning because um, unlike a screen that's right in front of you, you know, outdoors is 360 degrees, what's at your feet, what's above your head, what's behind you right? There are smells, sights, sounds, it's multi-sensory. The natural world is like a giant open-ended laboratory that you can experiment and observe in. And so books like this help kids, um, you know, motivates them, gives them some objectives so they can get outside, and it helps them keep up with their reading. Um, But mostly it's just about Spending time outside.
0: Yes, appreciating this world, this wonderful planet that we live on.
1: Yes. It's like they say you can't love what you don't know about. And so they need to know about it before you can care about it.
0: Exactly. And you were saying how, you know, some of our cities have become greener. So there's that consciousness that has been evolving to when there's developments that occur that a certain amount needs to be dedicated toward providing a green space. So there's a consciousness that's alive, but that needs to be built upon. And that's why our kids and we, as their their parents and and their elders and, and need to be in in uh, conjunction with them on learning that and promoting that, so that we just keep building more of that for our future.
1: You know that's right, and I often get asked for um, how to help sort of reluctant kids that just want to stay inside and and play video games. How to how to get them to enjoy the outdoors more? And I always. Start with saying, you know, you don't have a lot of room to demand that if you're demanding it from the couch. You know, you have to get outside as well. And kids, of course, you know, model the behavior of grown ups. And so if, you know, spending time outdoors, you know, doing whatever, going for a walk, gardening, even just noticing things as you're walking, you know, to the parking lot. From the store back to the car, it's like, oh, look at that bird, or wow, I didn't know that those clouds had gotten so dark. All of those kind of things um, really, really help.
0: And, well, and it helps in learning, but it, it has that other layer that it's building more of the relationship between you and your kids. Yes, yes, that's
1: yeah. a good point. Yes, and and all and of it's something that you can share with your kids as they grow older. You know, when I get together with my brother and sister, we always still, you know, find a place to go for a hike. And, you know, that's how we spend time together.
0: Exactly. Finding some you know, new, new places we didn't know existed and, and how all that came about, the history of it. Yeah. Right.
1: And how things change over time. I mean, that's, one of the great joys of where I live in some green space and we've lived here for 15 years and tried to work on some of the the invasives and and work in some more native plants and just to see the change um, over those years, not only of the plants, but the birds and the animals that now show up because of them. It's, you know, there's nothing more rewarding.
0: And that's a great thing to, to be helping kids to to nurture and and I think that they're guided through some of this or much of this in outdoor school animal watching are they not
1: They are and it's built um, you know in 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 levels of skill so you know you can't most 8-year-olds aren't going to know the names of all the birds right so you can't just say well go out and find this bird that bird and this when they don't know what they are and so, you know, we start with an, act- with an activity that's just, you know, think about how birds live. Some birds live together in flocks, and some birds seem to always be flying by themselves, and some birds seem to be mostly on the ground, and some birds um, spend a lot of time preening their feathers, um, and then they can go outside and just find some of these simple behaviors and check them off of a list and write down where they saw them, and now that they sort of build confidence that, yeah, I was able to, you know, see what birds are doing, then we can start with, you know, birds come in different shapes. There's duck shapes and, and sparrow shapes and hawk shapes, and then they can go out and find birds that are, have these shapes. And, and it's through the, through building those skills that they get to the point of, you know, uh, the difference between a fox sparrow and a white crown sparrow and, and, you know, the nitty-gritty of uh, of, uh Eye stripes and and wing bars,
0: and and also their nesting sites. How that yes. varies. Yes,
1: yes, that their nests and you know the behaviors. For me, is like one of the funnest parts of animal watching. And so many birds and other animals, you simply know them by the way that they're hopping around. Right, that can't be anything. Um, but a nuthatch because it's hopping upside down on the on the tree trunk or that little furry thing that's, that's off in the distance is obviously um, a squirrel because it's, you know, running in funny hops that stop and start and stop and start. So the behavior um, is, is really one of my favorite parts of animal watching.
0: And it causes us to slow down rather than moving at a frantic t- t- pace that we seem to be doing so much of the time, maybe not so much in this last year, but still, you know, there's just that kind of a, a, a way of being that's become part of our life. So being in nature helps us to slow down and it, it's so much healthier for us, certainly.
1: And, uh, and make you feel like, that there's nothing wrong with being slow. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I could spend all this time, you know, watching some squirrels and for a second, you'll catch yourself feeling a little bit guilty. Like, oh, I should be, you know, being more productive or getting something done. And then, you know, you just like, this is how life is, you know, you are you can just spend the time watching them and that's how they go about their day. and. I don't know. It gives me. It brings me great comfort.
0: Well, there's there is comfort in that. There's so much uh, that we can learn from that behavior as to how the animals do live their life and, and setting their priorities and, and the way that they have their cohesive little family units.
1: Yeah, and, and just to know that you know, like just like other people animals live in all different kinds of ways and all different kinds of lives and and that that's it's like like i keep coming back to the whole idea of things being infinitely fascinating i just find it infinitely fascinating and you know and to remember that we're animals too and we share more with them than we have differences with them so I think it's and that's something that kids know, right? I mean all all little kids love animals and it you know and I they just get busy with school and whatever else they're doing, but I feel like that germ is still there inside them.
0: Exactly. And I by being able to nurture that brings learning and and education to a a whole new and exciting level. It's just what you say about it then being infinitely fascinating instead of feeling like oh this is such a chore being so much more involved.
1: Yes 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 I mean I'm shocked you know when I meet grown-ups who have lived in a place their whole lives and you know, they have no idea, like, what that tree is in their front yard that they've been looking at for 20 years or, you know, don't know what a cardinal is. And and, and it's not just about not knowing. To me, it's about if you don't know those things, then you're not even noticing what's going around you, you know, and so... That's what it is to me—is just to get kids to notice the natural world that's going around them all of the time, and um, and all that it's doing for us and its own value in itself. You know, it's it's uh, especially you know during this pandemic year. You know, you know the natural world has 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 gone on very well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. And isn't that true? I think that's what we really noticed in the first few months. Without so many planes flying overhead, all of a sudden we had more songbirds in our yard. Right. Right? Right. right. So, yes, there there has been um, a wonderful piece of that. I'm going to take a, a little sidetrack, a little detour here, thinking of how nature, you know, does very well. Uh, and it relates to Washington State because... Um, 20 some years ago, I think it's 25 years ago now Mount St. Helen's erupted yeah. and uh, at the time I was actually living in Hawaii. so I knew it erupted but you know I had no other real knowledge of it except to see the cloud eventually kind of c- come past us a long time later. But when I moved to Washington State, And I then drove down the freeway and I came across this devastating landscape and I thought, what on earth is this? It was just so bleak, these just gray ash everywhere. I didn't realize though at that time that that's of course where Mount St. Helens had erupted and the river was gone, the trees were gone. But then... Within about 20 years, it's, it became so lush. The river was there. The trees were just, you know, quite massive and verdant. So nature, nature can come back, uh, you know, despite us.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's a perfect lesson for, you know, this too shall pass. Mm. And, uh, and it's good to remember that, you know, the human species is only about 200,000 years old. And uh, you know that squirrel that you're mad at for eating all your bird seeds has <laughs> has, you know, 20 times that length of time on the planet. So they've got something right. They've been around for a long time.
0: Exactly. So we've talked about um, it, it, being in in the, in the forests and the air and and the animals around us. Let's talk a little bit about the the rivers and the lakes and the streams and and uh, w- what to be adventuring with there.
1: The animal. Uh, well, the one thing is the um, the rock fossil and shell hunting book uh, has some. Some great activities with shells, finding shells, and, um, you know, of course, river stones that have been tumbled by the water. And the animal watching book has a section on fish and um, how to observe fish, and there's some tricks, you know, to, to seeing through the water and uh, seeing different kinds of fish. And there's a, a fun activity that... Um, that's fun to do with kids when you're outside at night is, you know, you probably, you might have even seen it, you know, you just put a lit flashlight and a rock in a, in a baggie and uh, tape it up good or use a good rubber band and, you know, lower it down with a, with a rope and then it just lights up, you know, the bottom of the water off the dock or the stream that you're in and you can just see all the animals little crawdads and other little fish that are out at night. And it's just a whole, just like it is with animals on land, it's a whole nother world in the water after dark. And, again, it's just an awareness of all of these things are living and going about their business all the time, Um, and it's nice to know about it.
0: And then... From this I think will grow this appreciation of how we are all important parts of living on the planet nature of course as we were saying how you know we can impede nature but nature has this intricacy of harmony that goes on and that we need all of this life in order to survive on this planet I mean the, the
1: natural system on the planet, are what give us oxygen to breathe, right? The plants produce oxygen through photosynthesis. Uh, the plants help the water cycle, right? So we have water to drink, uh, air to breathe, and the soil that produces our food um, is created through generations of life. I mean, these are these are systems. That we depend on, and um, you know, you can think of it as the earth cares for us through these systems, but uh, we also need to care for it because there's so many people, and um, our takeover of the planet is so extensive that we actually affect nature now. And so, building an appreciation of what life on earth does for us and how we need to it is really important for the next generation, and and I hope that they can can do a better job than, than my own generation.
0: Yes, there was hopes for our generation, but uh, somehow it, it's it's left us lacking. So. With your doing this work, though, Mary Kay, writing all these incredible and fascinating books for kids to engage them and and draw them in and let them venture out to explore and and have this greater understanding, in that way, I think you you are playing such an important role for our future.
1: Well, you do what you can.
0: <laughs> You do what you can and you're doing what you love, right? Yes. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because science is is a love of yours, but writing equally. So to be able to put those two together, you know, provides uh, well over 50 books and certainly this new series of Outdoor School, which I think is just so incredible. So we should say that all of these books are available at all of our favorite book sources, correct?
1: Yes, they are. They're available wherever books are sold, um, and there are three of the the nature guides. And then there's also for for younger kids that are don't read yet. There are some sticker books where they can keep track of what they see by um, you know finding the stickers for that plant or animal and, and sticking them on uh, you know a picture of it and keep track of what they're seeing that way. Um, which is fun for younger kids who
0: can't read yet. Right, absolutely. And uh, I, and you're on all the social media. I know that the website, com is a great resource. I mean, it's just so chock full of information and in a way to uh, kind of go in more in depth and, and find the resources that we need, correct?
1: Yes, yes. It's uh, kind of geared uh, toward teachers especially so there's a lot of information there and information about my books and what's coming up next. And, and I am on, uh, on Twitter. It's just, you know, at Mary Kay Carson and Instagram and Facebook as well. I don't know. Are people still on Facebook? I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, now and then. I, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's best to cover all the platforms. Therefore, you're, you know you're going to, you know, connect with most people then.
1: Right. Like it's all. I feel like it's all divided by age now. Like my dad is still on Facebook, so I have to be on
0: <laughs> Yes, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, you are just really such uh, an incredibly wonderful person, woman, and uh, an inspiration, and really such a gift uh, to to all of us, to our world, to be able to provide this information and inspire, then it's for us to pick it up. But you do it in in such a a great way that uh, we are the beneficiaries of all your talents. So thank you for doing the great work, and thank you for spending time with us this morning.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for caring.
0: Well, it's the very least, right, (laughs) that any of us can do. So many thanks, Mary Kay.
1: Thank you.
0: That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Mary Kay Carson and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Gary Simmons. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm 1069com and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of finding the space for healing, quite likely out in nature. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9, good morning.